From Centered, welcome to the Take Root Podcast, where our purpose is to share testimonies that encourage you to deepen your roots of faith. Join host Karen Johnson to hear stories of those who have experienced God directing their own lives to a deeper, engaged faith. So hello, friends. Today, I'm excited to introduce to you my friend, Kathy Lambert, who is a member of the King County Council representing the 3rd District. This includes North Bend, Snoqualmie, Issaquah, Sammamish, Fall City, Preston, Duval, Redmond, Carnation, Skycomish, and part of Woodenville. She serves as chair of the Law and Justice and Human Services Committee and also serves on several other committees. This woman has a servant heart and a deep faith. She cherishes her role as wife, mother, and grandma, and her role in tirelessly serving the people of King County. I'm constantly amazed at her eagerness to respond to the concerns of people, no matter the time, day or night. When I hear the term public servant, I think of Kathy. So we are just delighted to have Kathy with us today. Hi, Kathy, how are you? I'm so happy and honored to be here with you. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to be with us today. My job. So let's just start. Tell us a little bit about how you grew up and what inspired you to be involved in politics. So I grew up in San Francisco where my dad was a policeman and he went up through the ranks eventually becoming the night chief of police. So all through my life, dad was a policeman and we had people in and out of our house. Daddy tells the story. I heard it again last weekend. He's 97. And he was telling me that when I was born, all the street people came to our house and in those days everything had to be very sanitary with babies and you boiled things and um, so the street people showed up and they were the first people besides my mom and dad to hold me and to love on me and you know they didn't need um, a burp brag over them because he said their clothes were so dirty that they weren't worried about what I might do and my mother's thinking germs but love. And so my dad says that the street people of San Francisco engendered love into me as a baby. And so that was always a really neat visual that dad gave me. So I knew from a very early age that public service was so important and seeing how dad served the street people, made sure people were safe. We could drive down the street and my dad would say, we need to stop. Um, something's wrong over there. And I go, daddy, how did you even see that? is because I know my people and we would go to a call box and he would call in and say I need a police car over here for this and I was like I didn't even see that but he knew his people so well and I wanted to be able to know my people so well that I would know what they need. Wow that is a powerful story. So were your parents believers? How did you come to faith and in the first place and then how does God's principles, the principles of Jesus, inform your work now? So my parents are believers. We went to church always, and I believe it's important to go to church. I think it's important to have that daily um, dose of the Bible, but also the weekly dose or more of having fellow believers around you where you may not feel like you need the encouragement, but you being there and smiling or hugging or hearing what somebody else needs is an important part of our lives. So I always went to church. I think it's an important thing for people to go to church. And so we always were a family that prayed before meals. 
and prayed at night when we went to bed. So we were a praying Bible reading family. And I think it's so important because when things happen in your heart, you have things you can rely on as foundational principles that even though somebody may say something is right or, or wrong, you are able to say, that is not the way it is because the Bible says X. So you have a solid foundation when you grow up in a Christian home. And I think it's important that we, if you didn't grow up in a Christian home, that you get that foundation rebuilt in yourself by knowing the word of God. Hmm. Well, and it sounds like your family and your family that you really understood that the church is being God's people, not just sitting in a pew on Sunday, because your parents were in, inviting the homeless into your home <laughs> and, and providing a home. And, and I think a lot of, I listen to a lot of young people today and there's, there's this desire for um, the church to, to be that, to be the church every day in the community and not just um, a Sunday event. So I, I, I think you grew up in a family that got that, sounds like. Well, you know, the Bible says you'd be known by your love. Yeah. So, you know, when people see you smiling or see how you go through times of tribal and see that it's different, you're not going out to drugs or alcohol or whatever, that you turn to prayer or to song or, you know, friends and people coming in to uplift you. Those are very different things. And the world sees that because that's not what we see every day. Yeah. And so it's in the little things that people know that you are different. My um, friend, her dad just died and the hospice people were in their house and observing them as a family. And afterwards they said, the way you dealt with your dad's passing told us what a strong Christian family you were. They never mm -hmm. mentioned their faith, but they said by the way you behaved, we knew. And this was so exciting and uplifting to us as hospice workers. Wow. So people are watching. Yeah, they are watching. Mm -hmm. And that, that kind of brings me to the next question I wanna ask for years, you have been asking for prayer that we as a county and as a nation return to what is known as civil discourse because we've kind of lost that. And, and even, um, how do I wanna say this? So how do we as believers in Jesus, followers of Jesus, followers of the way, Christians, uh, how do we do a better job of that? And do you see anything improving in this, area? Well, I think it's something we have to guard about because the enemy wants division. And mm -hmm. so when you see division, you know that that's not Christ-like. Right. So when you feel that, what can I do then to see what would Jesus do? Yeah. How do we go back and say, what do we have in common here? Mm -hmm. And that is something that I think is really important in negotiations is to start with what do we have in common? Okay. And usually when you start with what you can agree on, and then say, okay, this part we don't agree on, let's park it over here as an idea we'll get back to. Usually by the time you have gone through all the things you do agree on, it's like 90%. And then you go back to the other 10% and you have a very different view of that 10% because it's not the glaring part. 
the part of agreement is glaring. And I think that really makes a difference in how we approach people and making sure that we don't play into the game of let's divide, but how do we unite? Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. That's really well said. I, I, I wish that, uh, yeah, I wish that we could get to that point of listening better because I think that's where we're um, having trouble right now is not listening for the part that we can agree on and, and going, going from there. So, so thank I think you. trying to push us in, in trying to divide us and by not playing into that and saying, you know, I'm not going to get involved in this. I want to talk about how we are alike is going to be really important. And then the idea of, of saying when things are not civil, you know, I don't feel comfortable with those kinds of comments. It's Mm -hmm. uh, not appropriate. It, it may irritate somebody that you've called them out on it, but deep in their heart, we all know what we should be doing and what we shouldn't be doing. And that may spark the spirit in somebody to go, oh, okay, you know, I need to clean up whatever part of my life showed at that moment. Yeah, yeah. So every time I talk to you, I, you, you educate me about a lot that's going on. And I'm just curious to know, what, what do you see as our biggest challenges right now? I'm sure Uh, this is a big question. (laughs) Well, I think the manifestations of the breakdown of the family. Uh, You see what's going on. Most of our social problems are because of lack of relationship. And so how do we get people back to their family, whether it is your biological family or it's the family you put together, your own infrastructure, who are your friends, who are people who, who love you? And everybody needs to know they're loved. So people make mistakes sometimes in their lives and they alienate themselves from their families. And how do we help people get over whatever the problem is that in their life, that whether it be drug addiction, whether it be abuse, whatever it is. We have gotten new research called ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experiences. And knowing that impact of those things on you psychologically as well as physiologically Mm -hmm. and being able to say, okay, I can identify X happened to me at age, say five or 10 or 20, whatever that ACE was, adverse childhood experience and taking it head on, you know, going to counseling about it and working it through because when you work it through, it no longer has power over you. Mm-hmm. And that's the important thing. And then being able to turn it around, like Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good, with those that are called according um, to his word and his purpose. And so, you know, in my own life, I went through a very hard time and um, I kept saying to the Lord, why? I um, was in a marriage and it was not a good marriage. And um I realized when my dad came to me and said, you know, you're you're probably not going to live through this if you stay much longer. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of gave me permission to put up, you know, um, boundaries of what was acceptable and what was not acceptable. And um, then things escalated and I eventually had to leave and um, essentially go into hiding for four years um, Mm -hmm. to keep me and the children safe. And I kept saying, Lord, I came from a beautiful family and I never expected this. And how do I deal with this? And years later, I become a state legislator. Nobody knows about that section of my life. 
Right. And the very second day I'm a legislator, um, the chair, uh, Suzette Cook, comes in and says, I'm going to give you two assignments. I'm going to have you rewrite all the domestic violence laws for the state yeah. and to rewrite the methadone laws. And hmm. I closed the door after she left and I thought, okay, God, that's fun. Yeah. Nobody knew I was a survivor and nobody knew that I helped work in a drug rehab. So the two things that people did not know about my life, <laughs> the Lord said, okay, now <laughs> you get to be the one to help change this. And use this. He used it for good. Wow. That is a powerful story. That Oh, gosh. And so even in your own family, you know the trauma that your kids went through. Mm-hmm. And many, many kids, many young adults who are in jail right now are there because of the trauma in their life. And... That's a, that's a huge, uh, gosh, a huge conversation. What, you, what, what would you say are the things that are going to help repair that? Because like I've heard the word poverty defined as broken relationships. And that's what you're talking about here, that people who are really struggling, you're, you're defining one of the greatest challenges as these broken relationships, breakdown of the family structure. And so what does it look like in your mind to tackle that challenge? Well, I think that the church, um, and I say that with air quotes, not a building, but the people of God, when I say church, Thank going you. out and modeling, you know, what does a family look like? Mm-hmm. And then bringing in our neighbors and our friends to be part of our circle of family mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. being able to model that, you know, we can have a marriage. Uh, we just celebrated 39 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, my in-laws said it after our wedding oh I'll give this two weeks so every year when we have our anniversary one of the things my husband and I say well this has been a long two weeks <laughs> so you know it's it's about making commitments and sticking to that and is everything perfect every day no but that's an unrealistic expectation how do we model getting through hard times and and celebrating good times with our friends and family and you know walking in a way that people say that christians are fun you know christians mm-hmm. are loving and that people will want to get involved it i feel sorry for people who don't have foundational principles think about every day trying to get up and make your own rules yeah it's, you know it, no wonder people are stressed and burdened and and doing things to harm themselves because it's too much to think of your own rules every day if you've got a solid foundation and you know the rules then you can use those to help take on the issues of the day Hmm. Mm -hmm. and don't you wish that every little child well every person could know that they are beloved by god that they were created by him and that they are so loved by him no matter what they do, no matter what they've done. And that's a truth that I think we've kind of lost in our language, in our culture. And somehow I sure wish we could bring that back to uh, to, to the common language. Uh, um, and it seems to be n- not there. And, and so those of us who are the church, who are followers of the way need to speak that truth more and more don't don't we as well as like you're saying to just live it out 
in this world that we're in. I was giving a speech one day at a university um, and I would guess that there were not a lot of Christians in the room. And I said at the end of the speech, something along the line of, you need to remember that the opportunities that you've been given are a blessing in your life and to use them for that. Yeah. And afterwards I was getting some punch and two girls came up to me and said, can we talk to you? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay. And they said, um, are you a Christian? And I said, well, yes. How did you know that? And they said, because you used the word blessing. Yeah. And I said, oh, okay. And they said, there are not many Christians in this room. And we're really excited that you are. Huh. And I thought, how sad for these two young girls in a room you know, with many, many people that they felt alone being Christians and that they had to whisper to me. Right. You know, as if it were a secret code. Um, yeah. So anyway, it's it's important that we we show that love and you know a lot of people are comparing themselves you know I'm, I'm too fat I'm too skinny I'm I'm whatever and you know God doesn't see us like that God didn't make junk he made us special and with each of us having our own talent and you know finding that talent you know I, I once had somebody come to me and say I was talented and they said I'm not talented I can't sing I can't <laughs> I can't, you know, do this or that, but you write a book and you write poetry and you do public speaking. And I go, but those aren't talents. And she's like, well, what do you call them? And I said, day-to-day -day functioning. And she's like, <laughs> those are talents. And so all these years, I was probably in my forties at that point, I hadn't defined things that were as being talents. Mm -hmm. And I think we go through life not realizing the gift of things that we just do and yeah, yeah and trying to look at you know what are the things if you're a mom and you know you are able to do certain things with your children that's a talent not everybody can be a mom mm -hmm. and raise happy healthy children mm -hmm. and um you know go through the cycles of of your children being lovely children and then not lovely children um and being able to go through that and um and know that this is a blessing god's giving you whatever your job is yeah and do the very best you can every day oh, i love that i love that and it's you know it's really important that we learn how to listen in prayer and ask god who he calls us to be mm -hmm. and and then live that out because like you, I think of each one of us like as a, as a puzzle piece in his kingdom. And if we don't know who we are and, you know, grab onto those gifts he's given us and use them, then he's missing a piece out of his kingdom. So listening for, for his voice about who he calls you and who he calls you to be um, is really important. And I think that's, that's kind of recognizing those talents or gifts or names he calls you whatever but what is your identity for his kingdom it's important and uh, each one of us needs to listen for that and recognize it and then use what he's gifted us with so that's awesome I want to go back for just a second to this the, what you said is the biggest challenge because I'm sitting here thinking that the broken relationships and I know um that I don't want this to get you know, political or anything, but I'd love for you to describe to us what is what's happening in King County with the new Justice Center, or I don't, what are you calling it for for youth, for juveniles? 
-hmm. Yeah, what's the name of it? And could you describe to us the, the services that, that are being put in place as one step to try and help some of this brokenness? So it's the Patricia H. Clark Family Justice Center. Mm -hmm. And um, it is probably one of the nicest in the country. We had experts from around the country look at how to design this in a way that was child-friendly, mm -hmm. that was rehabilitative. Mm -hmm. um, we painted the walls twice because the color wasn't the right tone for mm -hmm. um, making sure that it increased calmness. Mm -hmm. um, so we, um, we've softened what you know, would be considered a cell um, and making it comfortable um, as can be privacy for people um, so that we make sure that they have dignity even at the one of the worst times of their lives. But we also have a school there. Mm. And I am a former teacher. And so mm -hmm. I wanted to see what the school was like. And so I spent several days going and observing um, the old school in the old building. And the, the love and compassion the teachers have for the children in that facility, um, helping them deal with their ACEs and be able to talk it through, to be able to write about it, to dramatize about it and use it to help them break through on the pain. You know, it's like carrying a, a heavy burden on your back. That if you have like a backpack and you're going hiking and you've got 70 pounds on your back, by the time you get rid of the food from that day and you put your tent out and then you carry that backpack, you can go a lot further because it's not burdened down. Yeah. And getting the burdens of our youth or the hurts out is so important. And so the school had the kindness and the ability to see that you learn only when you're, when you're in a teachable state. And so using the pain to get through it and also to educate and tie it onto things that people understand. I was very impressed with their teaching. So there's a school there. Um, there's a counseling center there. There is a clothing bank. And so there are attorney rooms where you can talk to your attorney. So we have really looked at bringing in lots of services so that this is an opportunity for children who have had problems in their lives to get the skills and the training and the assistance to turn their lives around. Yeah, yeah. But would you explain that word again that you're using, ACE? ACEs? ACEs. Uh -huh. ACEs are adverse childhood experiences. And the University of Washington has been a pioneer in studying this. Mm -hmm. And so if people want to get on them and look up adverse childhood experiences, they will find an amazing amount of information. But there's also a test on how many ACEs you have. And then they tell you that if you have between this and that, here are some of the things that may or may happen. And then if you have lots of childhood ACEs, that it could impact your long-term health. Mm -hmm. And so it's very interesting um, to be able to look at that information. Yeah, yeah. Well, and like you say, I was just reading or hearing about this just like days ago, that <clears throat> the importance of speaking it just saying what happened to you and writing it out or speaking it out just to get get that out there like that that's what you're saying to unpack the backpack is to talk about it and acknowledge it happened and that helps unload the weight is that what you're saying yes 
And, you know, your point is, is really well taken. You know, you see some people that want to talk, 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 talk 500 times with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and at some point, and it's different for each person, so I can't put a number on it. Mm-hmm. But once you've expressed it and somebody can help you work through it and you're working through it mm-hmm. is, is powerful. Yeah. But if you keep just talking about it and thinking about it in your mind, it has power over you. Mm-hmm. And in that chapter of my life, many things happened that had power because I kept thinking about it. Huh. And so eventually I began to say, you know, I, I'm not giving you the power in my life to bring up those memories. I'm putting them out. And so I wrote them in a journal mm-hmm. and I put the journal away and I was cleaning and it'd been a long time since I cleaned that closet. Mm-hmm. And I saw this journal and I took it down to see what it was because it had been many, many years, decades actually, since I had looked at it. And as a former English teacher, I started reading it and I'm like, oh, interesting, intrigue. Oh, good sentence structure. Oh my goodness. And then after a page and a half, I realized what it was and it literally dropped me to my knees. Wow. I did not realize my own journal was mine. Wow. So it told me how much I had, I had unpacked. Yes. It's in that journal, but it doesn't eat me anymore. And yeah. that's the stage where we have to get that we have given it away. Mm-hmm. But now when I read that, I think about how magnificent is it that the Lord allowed me to have those experiences so that I could rewrite the law for the state of Washington. And recently I found a piece of that law is now federal law. So if that had not happened, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to understand some of the needs of a person that is going through domestic violence and stalking and and be able to strengthen the ability for help. So I think figuring out who can help you unpack Mm -hmm. your pain, whether it be a, a counselor or a friend, I have a sign upstairs that says sometimes the only therapist you need is a best friend. Hmm. And so whenever I call my best friend, I, I say to her, if I need, it needed to be that today, you are my therapist. And you know, <laughs> Julie, okay, I have two and a half minutes. And I'm like, all right, good. That's all I need. <laughs> um, but, you know, one of the things about once you do get unpacked is not getting packed up again with yeah. hurts and being able to say straight out to somebody, hey, that didn't feel good to me. And mm-hmm. having your, your new boundaries about what you will and will not accept. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it makes you stronger, healthier. Um, and there's a lot to, to learning about what are healthy boundaries and what you will accept from other people. Mm-hmm. And, and knowing that, again, because you are chosen by the Lord and we are all special, that we are all to be treated with respect. Yes. Every day. Yes. That's so powerful. And it reminds me of a scripture, John 10, 10, I think it is, that says, Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus came to give us life to the full. So when we write it, write it down in a journal and hand it over to him and let go of it, and like you say, we may have to do that a number of times, but the letting go and giving it to him and, and understanding that that does not define who I am. He defines who I am. So when somebody treated you so poorly and abusively, you were finally able to say, yeah, but that doesn't define me. 
I'm writing it down and giving it away, putting it away. And then I'm going to walk into the truth of who God says that I am. So that's just, thank you for sharing that story. That's so powerful. The second part is what you brought up earlier. My children saw this. Yeah. And so um, it was my son's kindergarten teacher that said, if you do not get out of the situation, your son will have a very high chance of being an abuser. And you need to be out of here before he's five. And that those will be in his mind if you do not have him away from seeing these things. And that was sort of the freeing comment from his teacher that I knew I had to make a change. I never told her anything. I never said anything to her that she would know any of that. Wow. She, she knew she, from her own life experience, knew that there were things happening. So once we got away, it was important for my children to also have people work with them on, you know, what happened, why did it happen? They weren't involved because, of course, children always assume it was their fault and be able to help them unpack it, you know, as a three-year-old, as a five-year-old. Mm -hmm. And that is a powerful thing as a mom to help your children get through their ACEs as quickly as possible because some things we can't control but we certainly can be there to help fix whatever happened that we knew was not going to be um, powerful so my children are happily married um, they are good parents i'm proud of them and um, they have in perspective what happened and i think that they are stronger because they went through those experiences um, but I think it's really important that a mom also realizes she's going through it, that she needs to get her children help also. Yeah. Well, I hope and pray that you sharing this story will encourage somebody listening to take a step that they may need to stack or encourage a friend to. So thank you for sharing that. So final question here. How okay. can we how can we pray for you? Oh man, that's a great <laughs> You know, I think the scriptures say to pray for elected officials. And mm -hmm. um, I think people praying for their elected officials is really important. I think that the party system at this point um, is a little toxic. Yeah. And so I think we need to think less about party and more about people. Yeah. And how can we serve the people each and every day? And that that be the focus of all elected people. I think people say, you know, I don't want to get involved in government. And so, you know, that's hard, that's dirty, that's cutthroat. And I say, well, you don't like your neighbors, you don't like your family, you don't like your friends. You know, all those people are government. We are the government, all of us. Ooh, I love that. So if you love your neighbors and your families and your friends, they are the government. And I had a lady call me one day and say, you know, I, I can't afford um, certain things in my you know, taxes. And I asked her, did you vote for, you know, this, this particular issue? Did you vote for this? Yes, I always vote for everything. And, <laughs> you know, you know, the person that you voted for, how did they feel about being fiscally conservative, regardless of which party it is? Well, I don't know. I never asked that question. And um, what are their priorities? And so um, she says, I vote for every levy. And I said, well, that's great. So I got her on the county website where and an assessor's office landscape and it says for every single property 
how much was voter approved? And she said, Amy, my neighbors and I have had this much impact. Oh yeah, you have a hundred percent impact. And directly, and in her case was that 47%. And she was just shocked. She said, I need to take more interest in what's going on here. And I need to speak up. And so I said, well, that's good because lots of times people say things that um, are said. And so it becomes the lore and the truth based on the fact that somebody said it, but it's not based on fact. So, you know, getting to know an elected official as a person where you can talk to them and say, you know, what happened in this meeting or this negotiation or whatever. Um, I was in a college class once when I was a legislator and they were talking about a negotiation. And I was listening for about a half an hour. And finally I said, you know, I'm so sorry but that is not what happened in that negotiation. And the mm. professor said, well, how would you know that? Said, because I was one of the negotiators. Yeah. Um, if the teacher had dentures, they would have fallen out. Um, but um, I was then able to say, this is really what happened in that room, according to being in that room. And you know, so we hear things in our schools and in our communities, in our newspapers that may not be 100% accurate. And so asking people who were involved firsthand, you know, in history, you always say the best information is firsthand primary information. So going and getting to know people so they can tell you, you know, here's what's happening or here's how you can pray um, to help is really important. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. I think we were just talking this morning how important it is if just a couple people get together and pray for their city, for their officials in each city and each county. And that is the, the power of how God works is through his people. So thank you. Thank you for that reminder. And Kathy, thank you for sharing your story. And um, I was gonna ask all of our listeners, please pray for um, our government officials, these public servants who really do lay down their lives to serve um, in some, very difficult times that we're in. So thanks again, Kathy, and uh, looking forward to uh, sharing another story soon with all of you. So blessings everyone, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Take Root Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and share. To learn more about Centered and hear more stories of discovery and growth in Jesus, visit us at centered.org.